Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it because we are joined here today by not one, but two. Two people we're just so happy to talk to, Terry and Heather Dubrow. How are you guys? We're good. I like your hair. You're like fully coiffed. You do? I'm. This is like, I showered for you today, Heather. <laughs> by the way, thank you. That is so kind of you. I put on eyelashes for you. I mean, Terry, I showered for you too, but I really showered for Heather. Well, I put on fresh underwear for you, so how does that feel? You're not wearing underwear. I am. Look, you are? Yeah. Underwear. Huh. Shocker. Yeah. Alvin Klein. None. None. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I just like to blow people's games up. So how are you guys doing? How is quarantine going? We're good. You know, I would say that the beginning, Terry felt like he was on a corona vacation. And he was getting up at 12 and going downstairs to, we have a home gym. He would spend three hours in there doing about 40 minutes worth of working out and then go in the pool and then have dinner with us. I mean, he really was living his best life. And at first I was kind of happy about it because he's so hair on fire, like falls to the walls, crazy all the time that I thought this is amazing. The world has forced him to relax. But then... Like after three or four weeks, I was like, all right, sister, time to, time to help out a little. I wish I could, because I'm kind of like Terry in that sense of like, I got to get things done. I wish I had those three weeks. I feel like the opposite. I'm like working, because like you just have time. So you're like, okay. And I'm like, well, wait a second. All I do is work now. I'm the same way as you, David, because I do a lot of my work I do from home. I have podcast, my YouTube channel, my fashion line, all that stuff I can do from home. And I have four kids, but usually Terry and the four kids are gone for, you know, a few hours a day, which leaves me time to get my stuff done. And there's no time anywhere. And of course, you know, cooking 72 meals a day and cleaning up after them doesn't help either. There's a lot, but I mean, you have Chateau Dubrow. So at least if you guys needed to not see each other, you do have the space. <laughs> It's so true. Do you know our oldest daughter the other day, she wanted to watch something in one of the TVs, like the Apple TV wasn't working. And I go, go watch it, you know, in this other room. She goes, it's so far. <laughs> I go, really? Who grows up like this? Like, I, I, was, I was just going to say, were you just like, what? I thought, what a great, wow, we've given you a great life and I hope you're not a pussy. <laughs> 
Well, listen, how about this? Anytime you want to adopt another child, <laughs> not saying I'm young enough in any world that we're living in to be one of your children, but I, I'll gladly move into Chateau Dubrow any day you would like to have me. Well, if you make your bed, you do a lot more than any of our kids. Yeah, do. exactly. <laughs> well, how about this? I don't make my bed, but if I moved into there, I would gladly make my bed. For I don't trust you. You'd be just like the rest of them. <laughs> it's too far. <laughs> how is your pot? How is Heather's World doing these days? Heather Rose World's doing great. I've been doing it. I can't believe it. It's been like over five years, I think. Um, it's fun. It's constantly evolving and... I do it twice a week now, and you know, I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize that I, I mean, I always knew I had diarrhea of the mouth and I like to talk, but I didn't realize what an interesting way it is to like give people an unedited sort of raw version of yourself. And I talk about everything. Like there's really, the only taboo sub subjects that I truly have are that I obviously can't tell like personal business of my kids and stuff like that, because that's their business. And I try to be really, you know, careful about that sort of thing. But anything else, I'm open. By the way, I was looking at her YouTube channel with Heather and Rose World today, because some, this new show we may do want some excerpts from it. And, oh my God, I'm glad I don't listen to it all the time. Because, Why? Because you say some really personal stuff about us oh. and me <laughs> in particular. Oy. But that's why people love to tune in. It's so good. Well, it's because it's like we're friends. And that's the only way, you know, you have a podcast. The only way to do a podcast is to be perfectly honest and real because you've taken all the filters out and you're hanging out. People are hanging out with you in their car, at the gym, on their walks. And they really want to feel like your friends and you're hanging out together and if, if if there's filters in there or bullshit can we swear is that okay yeah you can say anything you want um if, if there's bullshit then they're turned off totally some podcasts i've noticed do heavy editing i don't like you know like listen if something drastic happens but otherwise if there's a noise in the background like i, I like live in new york city there's a siren in the background i'm not going to spend 20 minutes trying to edit out sirens this no. is how life is Exactly. I don't know that either. How is New York City? You know, everyone asks that I speak to, like, it's not great, but I feel like you don't feel any different being inside here. You know what I mean? Other than the fact that you're in an apartment and no matter how big your apartment is, you still don't have a backyard. Like, that's really the right. only difference. Like, I appreciate the sympathy that I'm getting from everyone I talk to. Like, the numbers are bad here. But if I think day to day, it doesn't feel any worse here like you'd still feel as probably stuck inside as you guys in a sense well at least your to-go food is the best in the world yeah well that's the thing like when this first happened like so many of my friends were running out to the hamptons and i almost did now there was two things about that like the service in the hamptons is horrible as far as yeah. like cell service so i'm like how am i going to do my podcast that's really the only thing i was thinking of and then like you always were able to get still you could get thai food at like 3 a.m even in the worst night here you know there's less restaurants open but i was like it kind of just seems more easy just to stay here yeah i agree is everyone everyone wearing a mask outside now they are good now they are they weren't what is it? Do the masks? Because I've heard such mixed things since you're a doctor. We've been talking a lot about masks. Okay. 
I wish your audience could actually see me right now, but I have a public service announcement that I want, if you don't mind, if you think this is significant, repeat this on your next couple of podcasts. Okay? I will. Okay, people are blowing it with masks. Masks are very dangerous unless you treat them properly. Now you can see me, so you're gonna see what I'm doing, but here's the issue. We all know physical distancing, six feet, we all know masks, we all know frequent hand washing, sanitizers, and so on. But if you touch, and, and we all know not to touch your face, right? Everyone knows that. But guess what? Do you see the way people use their masks? They touch the outside, often will pull them down to talk to people they're with, and then put them back up as they're walking, you know, now getting closer to people, right? Well, your outside of your mask is contaminated and it's contaminated with all of the aerosolized droplets that you're concerned about that may contain the virus. If you touch the outside of your mask, pull down your mask to talk to other people, and then pull it back up, you have now transmitted the outside of your mask, the dirtiest surface on the planet in terms of danger to you, to your mucosal services and made it easy for the virus to get in. You've basically opened the viral door and shortened the distance. And so, I've noticed in LA and here, people are, have you seen this in New York? People are constantly pulling down, pulling up, pulling down, pulling up. Or exposing up. their nose. People who work yeah. to go food places. You know, they're wearing their gloves and they're pulling it up before they walk out to talk to you. Well, guess what? Their gloves now contain the aerosolized droplets they're worried about from people. And then they're touching their noses and mouths with it. It's a disaster. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I mean, people touch their masks or wear below their nose, like you're saying, Heather. So here's the thing. They've given us these, these things to do, like, okay, social distance. I think people pretty much understand that. But if you go into a store, they now have dots on the floor. They're being very clear how to social distance. They're not letting us be morons about it. But I feel like they've handed us PPE equipment without an instruction manual. Yeah. So don't touch the outside of your mask, folks. That's the whole point. I'm going to do a thing on my Instagram today. You Just should. I mean, at one point in the beginning, Paul Nassif was doing stuff on how to put on a mask on his Instagram. But but the, it's it's one thing how to put on, how to take off. Yeah. But, you know, the what I've noticed going to, to pick up food and everything, watching people, you know, they'll pull it down and they'll pull it up or pull it down by touching the outside. That is the worst thing you can Gotta do. Gotta do it from the ear. Well, I think I've done it wrong many times. So now I've learned something from this podcast. <laughs> Haven't you done that? Uh, many times. Yeah. yeah. Well, guess what? Now your hands are totally contaminated and you're scraping right past your nose and mouth as you lift the mask up into position and wow, you inoculated yourself. So you should do it from the air. I mean, it's almost better not to wear a mask at that point if you're going to take it off and... I mean, totally. theoretically, masks are for protecting other people. I don't completely believe that. I think it's basically it's protecting the wearer. But if it's protecting other people, that's wonderful. But if it's transmitting the virus to you, that's a disaster. Well, I listen, this is like the most interesting thing I've learned in the past. I think through the whole... Because I've not been doing it right. Good. Please repeat that to your audience, your future shows too. I'm going to tell everybody. So before we get into some other things, let's talk about the new book and the Dubrow diet. Okay. So this is a, book, this is a book called the Dubrow diet. Yeah. The, 
Dubrow Keto Fusion Diet. So we wrote a book a few years ago called The Dubrow Diet, which was number one on Amazon, number one on Barnes and Noble. And it was a variation, an easier way to intermittent fast. And then we realized that the top two diets were keto and intermittent fasting. Because Google called us. Well, they emailed us. They sent us an email. This guy, Steve from Google, literally emailed us and said, hey, you guys, the Dubrow diet is the number two most Google search diet of the year. And we were like, yeah, right. We thought it was like Steve from Google, like, and now pay 500 bucks. And what? No, it really was Steve from Google. Number one diet most searched, keto. Number two, the Dubrow diet. So they're both very effective wow. for rapid weight loss, for fat burning. The problem is they're both really hard to sustain. So I went to the medical literature because I knew that in neurology, ketogenesis was very helpful for pediatric seizures in kids, but you can't put a kid on a keto diet. So I went, how are they doing keto in children? And there's a, there's a formulation called cyclical ketogenesis where you can actually go in keto and out of keto within a 24 hour period. So we created a diet which fuses intermittent fasting and ketogenesis so that during the day, you're in a form of ketogenesis where you're fat burning, but at night you come out of it and you're allowed to have carbohydrates with fruits and vegetables because the problem with keto diet is no fruits, no vegetables. It's all just butter and beef and fat, you know, and it's great for, for fat loss, but it's not good for sustainability and not very well balanced. So the Debro Keto Fusion Diet is the best of intermittent fasting without the challenge of not eating for a long time and the best of keto without the challenge of not having fruits and vegetables in a well-balanced diet. You can think of it like this. So I think most people understand the term high intensity interval training, right? So it's an, a way of exercising that you raise and lower your heartbeat, right? Your interval training and it's how you train your heart to be stronger. It's the same concept coming in and out of ketosis we're training our body to fat burn, but we've given you back some low glycemic index, some low sugared fruits. We're giving you your cheat day. We're giving you alcohol. We're giving you a program that is the best of these top two diets, eliminating all the challenges, giving you all the benefits and putting it in a plan. Honestly, that's a lifestyle plan. It's not just about losing weight. Yes, you're going to have that weight loss. Yes, it's tangible. But we're talking about anti-aging. We're talking about immune boosting. Very important right now. We're talking about hormonal balance and on and on. I tried the keto diet and I did it for a minute and it was, I can't even get started about all the problems. Well, I mean, how could you ever be on a diet where you can never have an apple again? One apple will throw right. you off a strict keto diet and it takes days to get back on. Yeah, and strict ketogenesis, the headache, the stinky breath, the flu like the terrible symptoms. mood, you know. I was so food. weak. When I started the keto, I mean, getting into ketosis, I was like, I feel like I'm on my deathbed. Yeah, yeah. Keto so how, how do you, so how many, how long do you, fast like you eat for 16 hours no it's a 12 8 4 plan it's super easy to follow so you're basically fasting for 12 hours you're doing keto friendly foods according to our plan for eight hours and then four hours let's call it 
regular diet where we're reintroducing certain carbs cooked certain ways so that you can get those carbs back. There's still alcohol in the diet. You have one day a week of cheat. Um, we have put in there, I know your audience can't see, but I'll show you. There's a, this is the first book we've done. We've done three. This is the first one we've done where we put um, all photos in there of not just our family, but the fabulous chef Amanda who wrote all these recipes and recipes of the food that we make in here. There's, like I was saying, there's shopping lists, there's eating plans, there's snack recipes, and they're Heather proof. So trust me, if I can make them, anyone can. Make them. And the 12 hour fast includes sleeping. Yeah, it's easy. So you're not really fasting at all. That's not bad. And what happens when people go out to eat? We have ways to go out to eat in there, but it's really easy because you see your food lists and see what's appropriate, you can absolutely eat at any restaurant. Yeah, I mean, when you're on the eight hour keto portion, it's not a super, super strict keto. It's, it's, it's a keto blend, so it's much easier. It's a, a more of what we call a nutritional ketosis, where it's a lighter version of ketosis, but if you're going into it and out of it every single day, it ramps up your ability to fat burn based on that ketosis. That makes sense. Because have you ever gone out to eat with someone who's like strict keto? It's it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I once watched someone in the car with me choke down a cup of oil. I thought I would die. You're just like, this is the most boring evening of my life. And I'm just going to sit over here and eat all of this. And I've never felt so unhealthy in my entire life now. And they're not drinking. That's the biggest problem of all. So now, how does alcohol, I mean, you said alcohol works, which, you know, I love my vodka. So tell me how alcohol works on this diet. So the whole portion, the, the whole part of the bro keto fusion diet involving carbohydrates is low glycemic index, which very simply means it's a way of ingesting carbohydrates and sugars without a very high elevation of your blood sugar content. And what you do is, in terms of food, to lower the glycemic index of food, we tell you how to cook it. Because you can cook a baked potato, for example. I'm gonna get to the alcohol thing in a second. But you can cook an, a baked potato, for example, one way, and it's, it's got much higher calories than if you cook it another way. It's much, is that crazy? Is that think, crazy? About, think about that. You, yes. Like I always use sweet potatoes as an example because I think people really understand when you put a sweet potato in the oven, you know, it tastes so sweet. Yeah. Like it almost tastes like you put sugar on it. It's like so delicious. If you take that, it's because of the way you're baking. If you take that same sweet potato and you put it in the microwave, it has less calories and less sugar. And that's lowering the glycemic index. The same is with that's for so cocktails. Weird. Your, the vodka you like is a very low glycemic index alcohol. Mm -hmm. But it's when you add certain mixes to it, now takes it through the roof in terms of carbohydrates and sugar that are available. So the whole point is this. If your body has sugar in its system, it won't use fat as fuel. And that's the whole basis for ketogenesis. The whole basis is they try to rob you of any sugars and carbohydrates because carbohydrates are basically just a bunch of sugars connected together. So if your body doesn't have any sugars around, it uses fat as fuel. And that's how ketogenesis works. You break up your fat. Well, if you go using the Debro Keto Fusion diet, during the day, you're using fat as fuel. You're fat burning all day, but you're not starving like you do on intermittent fasting. So same, we have these cocktail formulations in here. I call them my cocktail prescriptions that allow you 
to have your cocktails, vodka is a really good basis for that. I like tequila with lots of lime and club soda or champagne. So champagne has very low sugar content. Brute champagne. Yeah, brute particularly, very low glycemic index. So that's the, that if you're gonna drink a wine, champagne, brute particularly is the best kind. And while I drink, I mean, that's why I started drinking vodka originally. Now I just happen to love the taste, but I, I just drink straight vodka, like vodka on the rocks. Like isn't- Even better. Well, vodka rocks. Have you, by the way, have you ever tried the Beluga Gold? No, is it really good? Oh, it's so oh, good. If you drink it straight, Beluga, Beluga Gold, Gold Vodka. Is, is really yeah. They sell it at Petrosian, like <laughs> by the glass. That oh, I believe. Well. So that's why I started drinking just vodka because I'm like, all these other mixers are just not good when you start to put all the juices in. I but there's definitely ways you can hack it. I mean, I love those LaCroix sparkling waters because they have zero calories, but they're actually really flavorful and yummy. And I love those. And and coconut. But that's a good thing to splash into your vodka if you, if you wanted a flavor. And is that true that like, as other than champagne and vodka and tequila are the best too? Is Gin. that true? Gin's yeah. not bad. Gin's good too. Vodka, vodka for sure. Vodka is the best. Yeah. yeah. Tequila's um, awesome. No, tequila's amazing as well. And how does does caffeine play any mix in the Dubro diet? Like you can have as much coffee as you want or no? Yeah, it, it, in the 12 hour fasting period, it's, you know, so you wake, let's say you do eight hours of sleep and you got the four hours, right? Uh, but most likely you've had two or three hours after dinner that you haven't had, that's included too in the fasting period. So, you know, caffeine is great. Caffeine's a way to amp up your metabolic and we rate, have coffee. get you through those periods. We also have coffee recipes in the book. Oh, how wow. to make different kinds of coffees. You know, there's classic keto coffees that you can have. Um, I don't eat dairy, so like the heavy cream doesn't really work for me, but I will use like full coconut milk um, and MCT oil, grass-fed butter, all that stuff. So we have a few coffee recipes in here that I think are really fantastic. And that's basically how we start the morning is with that. And then what's nice about this diet is you can actually eat. If you're someone that likes to eat or has, because you know, our, our book, The Dubrow Diet was very popular. It still sells so much, but there was a faction of people that are like, look, I'm in meetings all day. I have breakfast meetings. I have lunch meetings. I can't, like you were saying, the irritating person that wasn't eating in front of you. Yeah. It couldn't be that person at those meetings. This is such a, to me, it's, a, it's such a perfect lifestyle plan for any lifestyle. That's the key. Because, you know, like when you're on the go, I mean, especially like New York, LA, Orange County, just, you know, like it's a fast paced life. Yeah. How'd you come up with this? So... I knew there was cyclical ketogenesis. It's a thing in medicine where you can go in and out of ketogenesis. But it's really, I knew all about it because there's this type of, I don't want to bore your audience too much, but there's this type, there's these- <laughs> Too late. <laughs> too late. In, in pediatric neurology, there's kids who have what are called intractable seizures where they'll have like 27 to 45 seizures a day. And if you put them in this cyclical ketogenesis, they go from 27 seizures to one or none. 
And so I thought to myself, but you can't put kids on a keto diet. It's not something you can ever sustain a kid on. And you wouldn't want to. They wouldn't grow very well. It's not very healthy. So I took a deep dive into the pediatric neurology literature, and I stole all of the information from that and put it in an adult kind of diet that blends together things we like to eat. Well, that was Heather's job, along with our chef. Hey, but, what we, but the way we came up with the actual 1284 is we started experimenting with it because we're like, look, let's figure out, all right, we know that this works. We know the fasting works and we know that this nutritional keto, ketosis works. Do they actually live together? Can we introduce? So we started just living it, doing it ourselves. And when we realized it worked, we said, all right, yes. let's write the book. And then we actually got a group of people put them on the diet, put them in a, in a closed Facebook group. They've all lost tons of weight. They feel great. I mean, just really watching their journey and how they all talk to each other and motivated each other and, and felt the effects of it. It's really been amazing to watch. They're all about to start posting and tagging it. So you'll be able to see it, but it's been really, really impressive to watch. That's good. And what about the anti-aging? You know, now that we're in quarantine, I mean, I have to tell you, I'm going to be running right from, from my Botox shots as soon as we can get out. But tell us about this anti-aging aspect of this. So intermittent fasting, one of the things I love about it is that when you're not using sugar as fuel, you go into this state called autophagy. Have you ever heard of this thing? I probably have. Autophagy refers sure. to Phagy means eating, and autophagy means auto-eating. You're eating yourself. So when you're in the autophagy state, your cells are actually eating the junk, the toxins. It's like taking out the trash. And that is one of the most powerful self-anti-aging processes you can go into. A Nobel Prize was given for the discovery of this process. And that's what this diet allows you to go into on a daily basis, the autophagy state. So that's the power of- Yeah, uh, and I, I can't even say like we invented it, but what we did was we took all the principles of the highest level of diet and found a way, what we did that was cool was we found a way to put them together that made sense, it works, it's easy to do, you can live your life, you can go to restaurants, you can have your cheat day, you can have your cocktail, well, and not only lose weight, but have this anti-aging effects, auto-immune um, boosting support and everything. And everyone knows the, the bummer about sugar, when your sugar goes way up on your bloodstream, high levels of sugar give you inflammation. That's like, yeah. everyone knows that. So if you can stunt, blunt, the sugar elevation in your cardiovascular system, you're not getting that insulin response in response to the blood sugar elevations. And with that, you're blunting the inflammatory response. And that's really what aging is all about, unmitigated, unrelenting inflammation that your body's exposed to that causes damage to your cells and causes aging. That makes sense. Well, that's, I mean, anything anti-aging to me, it's like, I don't know why everyone doesn't try this. <laughs> now, speaking of anti-aging, let's talk botched for a second. Yeah. How's it, season six? See, yeah, we're right in the middle I'm of- loving it. Yeah, right in the middle of season six. Season six is a different season because Paul and I decided to take on the patients that we had passed on before. 
And there's a subgroup of all the casting applications where we go, yeah, no, that's not fixable because not everything is fixable. So we took that 10, 12% of patients from the past who we wouldn't have considered fixing because the risks were so high. And we said, you know what, we're gonna take those on because we now have new experiences, new operations, new skill sets. But we had to interview them and say, look, we're taking you on. You know we passed on you previously, but your risk is extraordinarily through the roof, so their chance of being made worse is higher. And number two, and you really have to understand this, we're going to make you worse before we make you better. I promise you. That's a and tough thing. That's a tough yeah. thing. Yeah. You, to the point where you could be hospitalized with a wound problem, we have to take everything apart before we can make things in such a way as to potentially put you together again to make you better. Are you willing to have maybe one, two, three, or more operations to get you to a place that you will be happy about? Of course, they all said yes, but you had to really look at it and go, yeah. no, no, you're, I, I know you're saying yes like everybody else does on Botch, but listen to me. Are you willing to have a lot of tissue die and maybe wound infections and wound necrosis, all those terrible words we use, for weeks at a time before you heal up again and maybe in a place where we can now make you look good. And they said, yeah, I think so. They said, <laughs> okay. And that's what the season's like. Multiple operations per patient, some real disasters, some real complications. I basically said, okay, I'm going to botch you and then I'm going to try to unbotch you. Are you game? And they said, yeah, I'm game. So Isn't that crazy? I, yeah, I mean, because like you say yes and then you wake up and you're like, oh my God, this really well, is worse. Most patients are magical thinkers and they feel like, it, you know, Terry always jokes, it's a scalpel, <clears throat> not a magic wand. But I think after seeing him for so many seasons perform these magic tricks that people just think, oh, it'll be fine. <clears throat> and so I think, you know, Terry and Paul are such brilliant doctors and I think also so good at giving realistic expectations. There's one buttock patient who had these giant deep, concave scars in the middle of both sides of her buttock due to a disaster that she had in a foreign country. And I said, okay, I'm going to cut out all your scars. I'm going to lift your buttock. It's going to look great the next day and it's going to all die over the two or three weeks after. But I've cut out your scars, but you're going to at least have open giant wounds in an area where I can fix those. And she said, oh really? I go, oh yeah. And I may throw you in the hospital while you're healing up those disaster wounds you are you you want to go down that road and she said i think so and i said okay and then the next day she looks at oh it's great i go oh no 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 it's Don't going forget. it's going to die it's going to die and guess what it all croaked on me wow so, but we got her to a place that's like pretty rock star now but it took like five operations to get there I mean, how do you challenge, I'm mean, listen, like I agree, like everyone thinks that you're a magician. I mean, like these things, I mean, granted, none of us are doctors. I mean, don't you just get bored because you've kind of done it all? Or no, there's just always things. Well, like how, how are you going to top this season? Uh, well, I will tell you this season I came up, now this is not experimentation, so I don't want your audience to think I was experimenting, but I came up with these operations that are based on sound foundational principles in plastic surgery, but there were completely made up operations involving 
dragging tissue from the abdomen into the chest to create a crease that we all know is recognizable as being the lower part of the breast where they didn't have before. And so these are operations a lot of the times I come up with at 3.38 in the morning where I have, my bladder wakes me up because I'm getting a little bit older and I go, oh, I got it. And then, and then he wakes me up. Then I, I go, I right, figure right. how to make a lower breast when they're, when it's been amputated. And now you know why I've not had plastic surgery. <laughs> so, that, so these operations, so I'm always coming up with new operations for new problems. And Box is all about more, even di more difficult patients every season. And is this true? Because I was a big fan back in the day of the Swan. Oh, yeah, that was a classic. I'm sorry, that was a classic TV show. Is yeah. this true that you were, that it was either botched or the swan, like you were gonna bring the swan back and you decided uh, to? Oh, by the way, how did you hear that one? That's interesting because- Terry, I hear everything. <laughs> you know, I will tell you, I've never told this story, but the swan was about to come back. And I had a choice of either doing- the I forgot about the Remember, the return of the swan, or this new show, it was originally called Nip Eft, believe it or not. Instead and of Nip Talked? It was Nip Fucked. And they changed it the last minute because the advertisers didn't like the words Nip Fucked, so we, they changed it to Botch. And they said, so you got to make a choice. Do you want to go back on the swan or you want to do this Nip Fucked, which turned out to be Botched? I said, I'll do Botched. <laughs> and luckily, I picked Botch. It became a you know, as you know, a thing, and the swan went back, uh, went away, didn't happen. It didn't happen because, not, not because I wasn't gonna do it, but because I think... Um, well, you know, I, I think what's been interesting to watch as Terry's wife is he, so he's a double board certified surgeon. He started as a general surgeon, cracking chests open, gunshot wounds, all that. Then he goes into plastic and reconstruction, and, you know, before Botch, there were a few years where he definitely was, I, I hate to use the word bored, but I feel like- Disillusioned. Disillusioned. Like, he was just doing these, these people that would come to his office and like, you know, micro things. I like it better here, not here. I like this, not that. Like, these little things that he just felt like, gosh, so much training. To suck fat out of tummies. Yeah. It like, seemed like a waste. Right. Seemed like this. He was very disillusioned. And I, I hated seeing him not love what he did anymore. But when Botch started, it literally reinvigorated him, his whole practice, not just the Botch patients, every patient that he does. Um, let's face it, even your private practice is mostly doing Botch yeah. patients. But it took him back to what he loves doing, which is helping people and fixing people and being such an important member of society as a doctor. And that's been incredible to watch. Yeah, well, that's a lot more exciting than just sucking fat out of... And not just exciting, but like helping people. Did you like the swan? I loved the swan. It was a train wreck. I loved the swan. I mean, I love botched, but the swan was like a train wreck before train wrecks existed. Yes. That music and the reveal at the end, I mean, it was just- Oh my God, I love me! By the way, if you- Google the worst reality shows of all time. It's I, usually number one or two. Number one or two is The Swan, and number three or four is another show I did called Bridal Plasty. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I, that sounds familiar. I definitely ever saw it. Season, it was 
uh, doing um, engaged brides-to-be before their wedding day. And if you won the show, you got to have a full makeover. The only catch was your fiancé couldn't see you till the wedding day. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if, if I was paying attention, I definitely would have watched that as well. I, I, that sounds familiar. But The Swan was, like, I think probably my favorite show at that particular time. That's so funny. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. How, how is Paul doing these days? Paul's awesome. He's, He's good. His married. wife is pregnant. I know. Young wife, you know, pregnant with a girl. You know, the big question is, is of course, will, will the baby's first words be mama or grandpa? That's, that's pretty much the case, right? He's told that joke like 27 times. It still cracks him up every time he says it. But that is one of the great things about, I mean, botched is like your chemistry is just, it's great. Yeah, Paul's a great guy. He's got a, a really intact ego and, um, you know, he's a wonderful human being, but uh, he's, let's face it, he's a target rich environment. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always knew you were going to do the show with him? Was it always the two of you? You know what? It was his idea. He had called the Housewives producers after he was off Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and goes, hey, Terry and I do a lot of reconstructive surgery and we do a lot of fix it for bad plastic surgery. That would make an interesting show. They said, call Terry. So he called me and I go, yeah, I, that's a good idea, except you really want to do impossible surgery on national television. And you know, cause it's going to go badly. And um, so I said, why don't we do a show where we're fixing deformities? And the producer said, okay, we'll start with the one where you're fixing bad plastic surgery. And then if that works, we'll fix the, we'll do the one that's fixing deformities. And we did both. We did botch and then botch by nature. And yeah. now botched is both. It's botched and botched by nature cases. So it's a complete show. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't know it would be such a big hit. I knew Paul and I had been good friends for 20 years. I didn't know we'd have that kind of chemistry on TV. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like one of those things, reality shows work if they're authentic. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. no questions whether we're full of it or not. I mean, you know there are real risks and we're showing you the truth because you can't fake that stuff. So it's got that authentic secret sauce that sort of seems to work. So is this Paul saying like, I loved my time on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I need to get back on TV. I, I mean, I'm joking. No, I, I suspect there was a component of that where he, he wanted to get back on TV. But you know what? He loves me. He's a great plastic surgeon. He loves what he does. And he really does do and always has focused on revisional plastic surgery yeah but what you're saying is true i mean let's be honest being on television as a doctor blows up your practice any doctor that was ever on housewives or extreme home make extreme makeover or, or doctor two or dr nino's <laughs> two one i mean or the swan i mean but any of those shows totally blew up the practices in a, in a space where there was no space like that before. I mean, I remember when I first met Terry, the big thing was like to get an article in a magazine. Like if you were a doctor that got an article in a magazine, that was like a big deal, right? Remember, you used to frame them my first and put year, them up my, in the hallway. My second year in practice, I was named as one of the top three plastic surgeons in Cosmo. Cosmo wow. It's like, how did that happen? But it was on the wall and yeah. that, that was like that was a, big a big deal. Day. That was a big deal at that time. And so you'd frame them and put the names <laughs> and so you'd walk down and see all that. And you know, so being a doctor on television 
you can't buy that kind of publicity. No, you can't. And you know what's interesting about being a doctor in television? So doctors, if you want to be a really good tennis player, a really good athlete, you can work out and practice, 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 practice. But you can't just go out and say, I'm going to go do a million difficult surgeries. You have to get to the point where you're good enough to do a million. So it's a double-edged sword. How do you get good enough? And to get a huge practice going. Usually it doesn't happen until you're at the end of your career. When you're on television and you're good, you get super good, super fast because you get, you do, uh, for example, the, a busy plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills might do 100 to 125 cases a year. I do 750 cases a year. Wow. Every single year. And I've been doing that for years and years and years and years. So by the time I was four years into my plastic surgery career, I had done more because of the salon. I had done more plastic surgery than a guy who was 30 years out from his training. So I got lucky. That's crazy. You must just work all the time. There was Not a, for the debt last two months. No, <laughs> there was a year and a half, a year and a half where I operated literally seven days a week, Monday through Sunday. Sunday was like any other day to me. I would go in at 6 a.m., operate all day. Wow. Well, now, speaking of housewives, I promise I won't, I won't ask too many questions. We'll keep it very <laughs> short and very sweet. I appreciate you allowing me to ask any questions. Oh, I'm an open book. Okay. Um, I mean, listen, if it were up to me, we would talk about housewives for the past 45 minutes or whatever <laughs> But All right, and guess what? I'm going to indulge you. Go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, so do you, so if, first of all, I spoke to Tamara the other day. She was on my podcast. It's not out yet, but she said, you know, you really truly elevated the show. She stands by fancy pants and you are the one housewife that should not have, like, she feels like the only person really missing that she wanted back was you. So you got a big shout out from your buddy, Tamara. Which I think is true. I think, you know, you did elevate the show. You know, well, you know what a lot of people have said recently is because you, what you did for Mother's Day, you know, you're in, you're at home, no one's watching. So I think people were like, wow, that really was Heather, this fancy pants, because you're doing it now at home for Mother's Day. You're doing it on Instagram, but you're all alone. So, I mean, you really kind of elevated the show in that sense, I feel. Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you miss being on Housewives? Um, I don't, it's a really tough show to do. I'll tell you, you know, going from scripted television for all those years to, and then transitioning into reality was not easy. Um, and I cried a lot for five years. I'm a sensitive person. I care what people think. And I'm not talking about like bad editing. I'm not crying like that. What I'm saying is the algorithm is for every 30 hours you film, 20 minutes makes it to the air. That's a big disparity. So what you're not understanding is something that might be important to me that were moments or conversations that informed how I behaved or felt or thought or acted weren't shown. It tells a different story. It was frustrating. It was difficult. It was difficult um, not knowing what was going on with the other girls and what they were saying. It was very, very hard for me. Having said that, it was an incredible platform um, that allowed not only Terry to continue to do botched and truly led to that opportunity. Um, for me, my podcast, my YouTube channel, our skincare line, my new fashion line, Heather's Closet, that's on shophq.com. 
and, and some TV stuff that we're working on. It's all kind of led to that. And it's not the, it's not the trajectory I thought I was going to go in, but it's, it's certainly been interesting. <laughs> and I'll also say what I do miss are the girls' trips because I had, if you can believe this, I had never taken a girls' trip ever in my life. I didn't have a bachelorette party. I that just wasn't my thing. Even in high school, I was kind of fancy. Like I didn't go to keggers. If my parents went out of town, I would literally have three friends over and serve cheese fondue and wine. So you love the girls' trips? I love the girls' trips. It was fun, and Tamara was really. She was like a, a good friend for me. Like she really pushed me outside of my comfort level. I can't, I was always terrified of the water. She made me go surfing. I, you know, I, I like I did crazy things that I never thought I would do. And I do cherish those memories. And isn't it shocking, like the power of Housewives, A, that it really did kind of lead to all of this, you know, like Heather Dubrow's World, Heather's Closet, the skincare, and now really, I guess, in a roundabout way, botched. Oh, no question it led to botched. So that's just, I mean, it's just, isn't that shocking? Like just the power of Housewives and the fact that it's, you know, this many years later and people still want to talk to you about Housewives. I know, I do think it's interesting. Well, it's such a cultural phenomenon, but I do believe this. I think that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It's a living, breathing you know, thing housewives, and it, it does need to evolve. I think the reason why I worked on housewives is because it was a little bit of a fish out of water kind of thing, and it was kind of fun to see fancy pants, you know, navigate these gals um, that I really truly ended up loving and, and forming these relationships with. Uh, but it does need to evolve, it does need to move on. I was surprised when Tamara was gone from the show this year. Um, because I just think she's so content rich, honestly. There's always, and Vicky too, there's always something going on. There's both so good on the show and they have given so much to the show and added so much. But again, things need to evolve. They need to move on. Maybe they'll come back someday. Maybe they won't. My prediction that yeah. of all housewives that have left the show, I think Tamara will end back on it. You do? I do. I don't think Vicky will. And by, by the way, what do I know? But I just don't think that franchise could survive without Tamara? I think you could survive without anyone, to be honest with you. I just think it's so much better with Tamara on it. I agree with that. But you, I, I do think things need to evolve and characters, if you will, need to breathe. And I think on Beverly Hills, you're saying this year, yeah. um, that people were worried when Vanderpump left that there was going to be a real problem. But even still, you know, Garcelle's a friend of mine. She was on my podcast the other day and we were talking about it. And it, it, they're doing better than ever. And I truly believe it's because sometimes you need to keep moving. I agree. I agree with both of you. I think if anyone's coming back, it would be Tamara. Mm -hmm. I think like decide, not staying as a friend is the smartest decision she could have made. Absolutely. Because that didn't end great for Vicky. I mean, it is shocking though. Like you were shocked that they weren't. I mean, it just goes to show you like there's nobody, no matter what your name is or how big you are in that franchise your job is completely disposable. And I know every job in the world is disposable unless, you know, you're Terry Dubrow and you're performing world-class surgeries that no one else could perform. Everyone's, but it's, you just know from day one, like everyone gets terminated. You're not so special. Yeah. It's true. But you know what? They had a good run. And you know, when I look at back at my run too, I think five years on a show is a long time. It's a really good run. It, you know, I, I kind of wish it had ended a little differently, but but again, after this many years of being off, 
my revisionist history, if you want to call it that, is that everything's good and I'm good with that. And truly, I run into girls from the show. I have no, really no problems. And even people that I might have a problem with, I, it, it's just not that important. I feel like we're all in a sorority with this shared experience. And I, re I, pretty much, I wish everyone well. So you're well with everyone. I think so. Who would you want to run into the least? Kelly. And not because I don't like her, to be honest with you. It's, she and I actually shared a lot of really fun moments. I think she's a really good mom. I'm really happy for her that she met someone and she's engaged and all that. The only reason I picked her is because I never know what I'm going to get when I see her. And, you know, I think last year she posted some things about me right, that were just dumb and I laughed at it. It wasn't a big deal, but I just kind of never know what I'm going to get. So I would say Kelly for that reason, not because That's I really don't like her. That's fair. I mean, she's come under all, like she's been posting some Corona don'ts lately. But that's that, who's your favorite on Beverly Hills? Well, I really like everyone, to be honest with you. I've known Lisa Renna for a long time. We used to be in acting class together years and years ago. Garcelle's been a friend for a long time. I love Kyle. We just ran into her in Aspen like um, in February, yeah, which was fun. fun. And uh, I, I don't know, I think I like everybody. I met Teddy Mellencamp, I didn't know her, but I met her, she was on my podcast recently. I like them all. Do you watch the other franchises? Like, do you watch New York? You know what, I don't watch, I don't have that much time to watch television. When, I have, when I'm having a guest on my show, I make sure to like catch up on a few episodes, but I feel like kind of through social media, I know sort of what's going on and what people are doing and, um, you know, Bethany, I know from back in the day, so I follow her on Instagram. I kind of see what she's doing. I like to see her daughter. Um, so I don't watch a ton of it. I, that's even, we've been I was going to say, that's even a good example. Bethany, like she's not on New York. And I mean, I think like the sum of the whole is, so what is that saying? The sum of the whole is greater than its parts. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. I think the show could exist without whoever, but... Would you ever go back if, if, if they called you and they said, you know what, Tamara and Vicky have just left a hole and we don't want them back. We want Heather Dubrow. Terry's, Terry's like, please, David, stop asking that question. No, 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 not stop asking. That's a tough, no. <laughs> it's just a tough question. But I, I would tell you, honestly, like, I would never say never because you just don't know what life is going to throw your way. Or, or how circumstances change or what, or what you feel like doing. I don't know. I wouldn't say, no, I'm never going to go back. It would just, it would have to be, I don't even know what that set of circumstances would look like. Um, and at this point, it'd be like joining back a sorority or fraternity that you, that has all new members that you don't belong to. It would anymore. be like going back to college when you graduated. I just feel like I, I did it. It was good. It was a good run. I'm grateful for it. I have good memories from it. I, I just, I'm not sure what that thing would be that would put me back there. Well, Andy Cohn calling and saying, Heather, here is the offer that we have come up with. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that would look but like. But she doesn't really have any organic relationships with anybody. Right. Well, I didn't, anymore. by the way, I didn't when I started either. 
I know, but you're, yeah. you know what, we, the truth be told, we have these new projects that are very far yeah. down the road. I know. Very disappointing because Housewives is a whole thing that takes over your life. Yeah. So I have a project I've been working on with E Daytime that I'm really excited about that, you know, it's kind of in the final stages. So I'm crossing my fingers on that. And then Terry and I have a show that we're working on that is kind of a relationship makeover show with a very cool that you will like twist that we can't really talk about but also it's in those stages where it's being heavily considered considered i saw that show posted on one of your i think on yours Mm -hmm. i just took that to mean like plastic surgery for couples no No. it's way (laughs) Way imagine imagine a couple is at a point of their relationship where things have gotten so bad that they're on the brink, right? Almost like a botch for couples in a way. They're on the brink and are about to potentially break up and lose all the wonderful things that brought them together and all the things they've created. And we come in and bring all our resources to bear. We're talking internal and external. Yeah, not just plastic surgery, but way, 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 way more. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm such an easy sell when it comes to reality TV. I'm just, I, I was hooked just based on your Instagram post where you were looking well, for couples. There's a very cool twist at the end, yeah. which we're not going to reveal, but it's an interesting show. It's a cool social experiment, but it's also really a way to help people. You know, we feel very lucky. We've been together almost a quarter of a century and there was a one season on Housewives where we got to the break. And we had a real decision to make about continuing on the show, not continuing on the show. This is like my third season in and how we were going to handle our family and our marriage and the whole thing. And we had to dig really deep and figure it out. And we feel like we've really learned over the years how to biohack our relationship in all areas and how to fight better together and how to love better together and how to just exist and raise children and be out in the world and work and all of it. And I think most people's couples aren't different than ours. So we're kind of, you know, getting in there and doing what we can. But what's also interesting is even with all the help in the world, some people aren't going to make it. And what does that look like? And, you know, maybe it's okay to fix people up to go their separate ways too. Right. Like, that's not such a bad thing. How long have you guys been married? We've been married, and Judith's going to be 21 years. Wow. And we're, we're together almost 24. Yeah, it's like going on forever, forever. here. Yeah. On, it's endless. I, I, well, that, to me, that sounds endless. I don't understand how anybody does it, so... It's better now. I mean, you know, we've had some tough times, you know, like... It, and it, with financial times, we've had tough... Uh, you know, relationship, relationship time. time, everything. Yeah, um, but it's pretty great. It's been great for a long, long time. And even when we go through our little patches, the patches are very short-lived now, and we know how to separate, get our stuff together, and get it back together yeah, and even, fix it. Even we had one bad week, I think we were telling you, during the quarantine, but even when we were in the middle of it, it was almost like understood. We We knew we were in the middle of it. We knew... We were irritating each other. We recognized it. We knew we were going to be on the other side of it. So it became not as important. Yeah. That makes sense. 
And speaking of TV shows, I have to say Hot in Cleveland, one of the best shows also ever. <laughs> Talking about scripted. Yeah, it's always better to have a script in my hand. I got to tell you, it's more fun sometimes. Um, but, you know, I've been able to do some scripted TV in the last couple of years, which has been great. But I'm so grateful uh, of all of the ways we can make content these days because it's really allowed me to be home with the kids. Totally. And you love doing your podcast. You just, because a, a lot of, we won't mention any names, housewives, because I speak to them all that have gone on to podcasts have said to me, well, I'm doing this and I'm going to keep doing this, but I fucking hate it. So a lot of the housewives really? that, yeah. That's just... so interesting. Well, I was honestly one of the first females to start in the podcasting world. I mean, if there were a lot of men, you know, Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew and so many people that, guys that were doing uh, podcasts, but I was really one of the first women that, that got um, to doing it. My agent had called me and he was like, you need to do a podcast. I'm like, great idea. What is that? I had no idea what it was. And so when I started doing it, I was like, wow, this is cool. This is just a way to hang out with people. And I thought I needed segments and bits and this whole thing. And I spoke to my buddy, Drew Pinsky, Dr. Drew. And he goes, no, people just want to hang out with you for an hour. It's really all it's about. And I went, are you sure? And he was like, yeah. And I went, okay. And then I started doing it. And five years later, it's still going really strongly and, and I'm enjoying it. And, and I love being with my audience and getting the feedback from them. And, I, and it's fun because when I go out in the world, that's what people come up to me and talk about mostly. I listen to the podcast. I love when you talk about this or I don't have kids yet, but I, you know, you've been such a, like a mom figure to me, you know, all those kinds of things, which make you feel great. And in a way, like to me, it's like the opposite of Housewives. Like what you were talking about, you have this moment, you had this emotion, you're like, where is it? It's on the cutting room floor. This is really like, you're seeing Heather and you're getting your point across. There is no cutting room floor unless you decide there is. Yeah, and I don't edit, so there really isn't. Neither, I like don't really edit. Is there anything else that you guys want to leave us with? I mean, everyone needs to go and buy this book. For sure. The, the, yes, the Brokey, but you know, again, that mask thing. Learn how, so, I'm gonna post it on my Instagram, at Heather Dubrow, so you can see it. It's so counter to the safety measures that we're all hearing about in terms of the physical distancing and washing the hands, that wearing a mask is actually so dangerous if you treat it improperly. Yeah, like my mouth is like dropped open when you mentioned all that. Because I would say I wear a mask according to that at least half the time inappropriately. Yeah. Are you finding, are people reaching out to you with like the whole Dubro diet, like in quarantine, like help, like I'm headed for disaster? There's actually, I, I read an article, some people are losing weight. And, and I guess I could see that you're taking this time to really focus. But I would imagine most people are not losing weight. Yeah, they're, they're, they're talking about the COVID-19, referring to how many pounds they gained during these two months. Or quarantine 19. So. Yeah, the quarantine 19. So, I mean, I think at some point you just go, all right, I got all that food and that food looks pretty good and I'm pretty bored, so let's just eat it. No, but I think, yeah. I mean, I think on social media, what I'm seeing for us for comments are people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. They're realizing they're going to start emerging and, and they realize they need to get their shit together. Yeah, I think like the first four weeks, I mean, I didn't do a Terry where I slept till noon, but I did a like, 
oh, I go to the gym every day. And I mean, I don't have a gym in my house. I have a gym in my building. And now I, even though it's right downstairs, I'm not allowed to go to it. And I just was like, I'm just going to eat the whole house for the first time. <laughs> and then I was like, right, we have to immerse. And then, I mean, despite the fact that I felt like crap, I was like, wait, we're going to have to emerge. I mean, at that point, I thought it was like three weeks. It wasn't three weeks, but you know what I mean? Like it got to the point of like, all right, like let's not let all stuff go to hell around here. <laughs> so I just didn't know if you were getting a lot of- I think you look great. That's because I've undone the damage of the first four weeks. You had enough time. I've had enough time. But I mean, that's, you know, I just didn't know if people were reaching out like, help, I'm on the verge of going off the Dubrow diet. Keep me motivated. No, but that's exactly why we didn't bring it out to begin with. Because we thought it was, first of all, tone deaf and weird back then. And now we've been getting a lot of- Help me messages. Help me now. So now that's why we're promoting it now. That's amazing. I need a copy of this book. I'm going to have to go get one. Thank you. Well, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Obviously, Amazon and Barnes and Noble are pretty easy. But if you can, whoever's listening, if you could support your local bookstores, that would be so awesome to get it from there because, you know, we just want to take care of each other. That's amazing. And I know you guys have done stuff too. I saw like you donated, I think like yeah. a certain amount of money. I saw all that to the healthcare. We've been donating a lot, but lately, our, our latest thing, we haven't even discussed this yeah, with we- anyone, but we... Um, we became aware of Dr. Michelle Tom and the Navajos and you know what they're going through. They have uh, now, are they second to New York? No, they're they, number one. They're number one. Oh, the wow. nation has the most cases. And so we sent them a lot of product and money and we've been working with them. It's just, it's so scary what's going on there. So many families there with no running water yeah. and no way to protect themselves. And so it's been passing through the Navajo nation. Wow, that's amazing. And where can we find you guys online on Instagram? At Heather Dubrow. And at Dr. Dubrow. (laughs) So I really appreciate you guys doing this. I know you have a lot going on. So just honestly, I really appreciate this. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank thank you you for having us. You're so sweet. Don't do this. Watch your mask. No mask thing. Never again, everyone, buy this book. You guys are the best. You'll have to come back on. Love you both. Thank you. Bye, honey. See you later. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear... Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.